Hi, I'm Alan Hill, the nostalgic vagabond. I lived out of a backpack for many years during my 20s and some 30s. I'm less of a nomad these days. In this podcast series, I'm catching up with old friends, wonderful people I've met on the Traveller's Trek. And what better time is there to catch up, reminisce, and see how everyone is getting on in 2020? I hope you enjoy hearing about our journeys as much as we've enjoyed sharing. When a traveller goes abroad to dive headfirst into a new culture, as most would I'm sure agree, it's best to go with an open mind. It's best to go willing to see new things. It's best to go wanting to engage in new experiences. Best to test oneself outside the traditional comfort zone. Full immersive travel is something only the more courageous adventurers allow themselves to experience. Immersive travel requires a certain mindset, a certain non-judgmental adaptability, where it's possible to assimilate and find yourself comfortable inside a new culture. Assimilation is travel life, but more permanent. At least that's the story of my guest on this episode, Jackie Dowling. Jackie and I met in Toronto at the beginning of 2012 while working in the same office. Jackie is Irish, as were most colleagues in that office. I had no problem with that. I like Irish people, as do most. I had not spoken with Jackie since March of that year. I knew bits and pieces from the social media grapevine, but wanted to find out more about Jackie's travelling journey, so I called her in Kelowna, in British Columbia, miles away from Toronto, but still in Canada. I was curious to find out more about Jackie's journey, from her roots in small-town Ireland to ending up in the beautiful Okanagan region of BC. I was wondering what Jackie's perspective was on assimilation. What does it mean to blend into new surrounds? How do you embrace a new country, language, and culture? Who do you have to be? Does it mean you have to give up your old identity? We had a really enjoyable conversation. Here it is. Long time, Jackie. I haven't seen you for many years now. Nine years. I'm living in BC since September 2012. Really? Yeah, 2012. So eight years, I guess. Yeah, because I was working with you in the Bank of Montreal mm-hmm. in Toronto at the start of 2012. Yeah, and I moved to Toronto in November 2011. All oh, right. And I literally moved like eight months, nine months later, whatever. Yeah, good times in Bank of Montreal in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, definitely different. It was fun, though. I had a good time. Met a lot of good people there, actually. So it was fun. It was a good start to my trip. So I wanted to actually talk about that, Jackie, because I remember working with you in the bank. It was quite a bit of an Irish bubble. It it was a great time because I really enjoy and get along with Irish people. And I I felt, you know, I'm not Irish, I'm Australian, but I felt part of the gang. Yeah. I enjoy a Guinness myself. Yeah. I've traveled a lot and I've met a lot of different people who travel for different reasons. And Toronto was a great place to meet people who were there for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. What I was curious to know about you was when you came to Canada, were you set on immigrating or were you set on working and seeing how it goes with the possibility of settling because that's very doable uh, in Canada? Or were you just completely open to the possibilities and it was a work travel holiday and you'll just play it by ear? Well, originally my friend and I um, were working together and living together back in Ireland and I think he was... 33 or 34 at the time and we just kind of wanted to take a gap year really and Canada at the time was the only country in the world that would allow work permits under 35 because normally it's 30 right so um, we figured Toronto it's just kind of across the pond and honestly once I got there I kind of loved it and I kind of wanted
wanted to work but kind of wanted to stay and didn't really know my intentions um unfortunately my friend didn't like it and he left after six months so my thought process was to stay in toronto and try and get a job there but that changed because i moved out to bc about nine months after i moved to toronto so um I actually was working in Bank of Montreal at the time and I just randomly got a call one day from a guy who worked for a hospitality recruitment agency. He said he'd saw my resume on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. which I thought was kind of weird. And my background's marketing events and sales, especially in hotels. So he's like, I have a job for you. I think you might be interested in it. And I was, and he was kind of saying it was in BC and I'm like, I'm not moving to BC. Are you mad? It's like, my friends are here. My life is here. I've got a decent job. Things are good. I'm not going anywhere. So he's like, come into the office. Let me tell you about this job that I have. And maybe I'll see if there's anything going on in Toronto at the time. So walked into his office and he's like, there's no jobs here in Toronto, but let me tell you about this job in BC. I was like, okay, I'll hear this guy out. So he basically told me it was this beautiful hotel here in BC and actually in Vernon, which is about um, an hour from where I live right now. Mm-hmm. And it was Sparkling Hill, this Swarovski crystal spa kind of beautiful, beautiful property. He kind of sold me on doing a phone interview and the fact that they might help me with my sponsorship if that's what I would decided to do. So I was like, okay. So I didn't, this is my timeline, which was so quick and so fast. And I just didn't even really think about it until I got here. But I did a phone interview on a Thursday. The following day, they asked for references, which is the Friday. That Monday, they asked for a second phone interview. So I did a second phone interview on the Tuesday. Following Thursday, two days later, they offered me a job. I resigned from the Bank of Montreal on the Friday and I moved out here two weeks later by myself. So <laughs> I've never really looked back, to be honest. I just, wow. well, to me, it was serendipitous. Like who calls me out of the blue from nowhere, offering me an opportunity to go someplace that I'd never been and potentially never go because I was living in the hub of the city in Toronto. Yeah. So that's kind of. And are you still working at this same job? No. No. <laughs> no, I left that job after seven months. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out for me, but I've had, you know, a couple of different opportunities since then. And mm-hmm. now I'm currently working for wineries which is probably after agriculture one of the biggest industries here in the Okanagan and in BC. Mm. I'm a wine club manager. Honestly Alan I don't know a lot about wine other than that I like drinking it so I'm getting there. (laughs) That's a start. Yeah right (laughs) but it's good I mean it's definitely a great opportunity and uh, yeah it's been a roller coaster honestly. No doubt. Obviously, you were saying that your background was not in banking per se. No. But that was the job you had in Toronto so I imagine getting a job that was more up your street was a draw card for moving out west, even though you were sort of settled in Toronto. Yeah. And then you never came back, did you? So you must have either really liked BC life out there or you were just settled to stay and find other work after it didn't work out. I settled in BC pretty quickly. I'm not going to lie. I mean, the first week that I started in this new job, I met a girl who's now my best friend and was actually bridesmaid at my wedding. And she literally kind of took me under her wing and started showing me everything within the area like she was kind of little mini traveler herself so seeing all these things and like looking at these huge mountains and I'm like oh my god it's a mountain she's like yeah it's just a mountain but for me it was huge right so little things like that so it just everything to me became exciting and new and a complete eye-opener and I think also where I'm living specifically there's a lot of uh, you've been here lakes and mountains so in a lot of ways it kind of reminds me of home except for the fact that I have four full seasons here yeah that's true yeah right (laughs) 
I mean, we both unfortunately didn't like the job we were in at Sparkling Hell, and that's another story for another day. Um, but we just enjoyed it because we had each other, and it was it was a good time. And after that, about almost eight months later, I met my current hu- my husband, my current husband. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's another one. Who knows? I'm kidding. Um, I met my husband, and he's just like this little mini door the explorer, and he just showed me things in BC, he took me places that I probably wouldn't have gone myself. And since then, we've been doing a lot of that traveling. And it just kind of, he got me addicted. He got me addicted to BC. And I, yeah, yeah, I'll never go back, I don't think. And in saying that, I have been back to Toronto once, but just for my work. And I ended up in Niagara on the Lake and stuff like that, which was beautiful. But I never got there when I was in Toronto. Right, you were straight into the work and at the bank. Pretty much. I had two jobs when I started in Toronto. You know, you, I felt like we were having too much of a good time and I was going to be stuck in the city forever. When you arrived, did you find it fairly straightforward getting work or was it quite competitive as a foreigner trying to get a decent job in Toronto? I got a job in a cafe almost straight away. Like I pounded the pavements and I got a job in this little uh, breakfast lunch place. And then within probably two weeks of that, I got a job in the Bank of Montreal. I tried to quit the other place. They wouldn't let me. So I ended up working Bank of Montreal Monday to Friday and this other job Saturday and Sunday. Pretty intense. Eventually, I quit that and just did my nine to five in BMO. So it was awesome. Still having a good time. Yeah, good times. <laughs> I've actually been to Kelowna. That's true. I know. Yeah. I very much have had the same experience as you. When I first arrived in Kelowna, I had a very, very wonderful family. Mm-hmm. They they took me in. They'd never really met me before. Lisa, who was the mum, had worked with my dad years and years ago when she was doing a sort of gap year experience in Australia. But I never met her. I never met Lou never met the kids they basically took me in as their own gave me a space in the basement to have my space basically taught me everything about what it meant to be a Canadian yeah I learned about hockey I learned about fishing I learned about hunting I learned about the seasons camping camping, great outdoors different walks that you could do the types of forests they have the types of animals they have it was so cool and I'm really really grateful for their generosity and their hospitality and I'll I'll forever remember it's I think it's part of the culture I agree and honestly if you I mean I don't know how long ago it was since you were here but Kelowna as a city has changed so much like population's grown we and I don't know if made it to Vancouver but we now have sky rises that almost look like the you know the seafront there at Vancouver it's it's gotten big it's you know yeah it's it's a huge city it's all the downtowns reinvented itself beautiful restaurants and farm to table local is the thing here so it's an experience for sure and it's cool to have because when I went downtown first Kelowna I was like oh god like this place is kind of like a ghost town there's not a lot here I felt like my hometown in Trilly in Kerry which had 35,000 people was a little bit more metropolis than Kelowna honestly what (laughs) Kelowna had going right at the time and still does was the lakes the mountains the hiking the which I hate by the way um (laughs) I mean, who finds joy in walking up a hill? I just don't get it. Hike me, drive me up the hill and I'll enjoy the view from there. Like I just, yeah, no thanks. So, but I mean, it had that, it had potential and it's just people I think saw that and people from Vancouver were traveling and it just got a, it became a big city and it's getting bigger and bigger all the time. But I understand what you're saying about people taking you in and showing you everything. I met so many people and unfortunately people I've lost touch with, but at the same time were, let me take you to the Myra Canyon trestles, which is an old railway track that they've kind of done. Yeah, they told me about that. Yeah, let me take you there. Let me take you up to this viewing point, these waterfalls. I mean, my husband is a let's go chasing waterfalls person. So I saw every waterfall I could probably see in the first year of being with him. You know, like it's, 
yeah, you're right. Their, their means of hospitality is just to show you everything and surprise you with the beauty of the place. Yeah. Just like they were, I'm sure, and still are to this day. Yeah, they're wonderful people out there. Yeah. I, I don't think I would recognize Kelowna. No, you probably wouldn't. I remember it being fairly flat in the sense that you didn't really have any buildings higher than two or three floors. No, there's, uh, they're, they're continuously building. It's like there's a little bit of a construction boom here at the moment. When you cross the bridge, as you know, coming from West Kelowna, there's like probably five or six different sky rises on one side. And then you look down further on the opposite side, there's another couple of high rises. The hospital's gotten really big. So it's mm. it's just getting like there's a population of probably 135,000 people right now. I don't think it was much more than 100 when I was there. Yeah, so it's, it, it's probably bigger than that, to be honest. But it's just like I said, people are moving from Vancouver to open businesses, small restaurants, and it's you know even now and you know with this current global situation i look out in the lake on a hot day and there are boats everywhere everywhere so it's just it's like a summer it's like um i guess it's like going to spain on your vacation for people from vancouver and alberta right they're they're coming to this beautiful place where there's beaches and lakes what more could they want in a hot day well indeed and i think the whole idea of a staycation in these covid times is becoming the practical thing and I guess yep. the good thing if you live out in Western Canada you don't really need to go to another country because you've got some of the best stuff on the planet. Yeah and that's actually something I was going to bring up at some point I mean I love to travel and I have seen like I said so much of BC and I've seen Vancouver Island there's places I still haven't seen right and it's fantastic and I love it but I do sometimes feel very landlocked here like the convenience of living in Ireland is like hop on a plane and suddenly you're in one of 30 countries you know and it's been three years since I was home and obviously with the situation going on that kind of delayed my trip this year but it just feels sometimes like you are quite landlocked I love to see different places and don't get me wrong I do see different places here but I want to see something other than forestry and lake you know I want to see beautiful buildings I want to see you know the hot beaches and turquoise seas and things like that I mean I could go to Mexico but it's just to me it's not the same being European it's different it's really different. It's a historical and architectural and a cultural com- completely different uh, Completely story, different. It? Yeah, it is. And Will, my husband, is so patriotic that he's like, Canada is the best country in the world and it's the only place you should visit. And I'm like, well, it's not kind of quite <laughs> true. Like, there's other places you can go, you know? Like, it's not everything. It's everything, but it's not everything. You know, there. Yeah. It's it's hard to... For someone who's not really traveled a lot, it's hard for him to understand that there's other places out there because you do, you don't need anything else here a lot of the times. Yeah, Canadian people are very proud of their home and uh, they they do have, perhaps they don't even realize sometimes they're so lucky to have what they have. I can understand in a sense why they wouldn't want to go anywhere else, but I think someone like me, I do need a bit more variety and slightly different ambiance to feel nourished. I miss it a lot. I do. I mean, like I said, the first few years we were seeing everywhere here, but you know, it's time when I go home, like when I travel, it's now for me, it's I have to go to Ireland and that's it because I get two weeks vacation a year, which drives me crazy. Cause as you know, in Europe, when you're working in, when you're working for a company, you get four weeks plus your, you know, all your stats. And it's like, wow, two weeks vacation. That's my whole trip planned for Ireland. It's not my trip to Ireland and a week elsewhere. Yeah. I miss it. I miss, I miss home a lot and I miss my family and friends and traveling. How do you keep in touch with Ireland if you haven't been there for so long? Uh, WhatsApp, Messenger, um, just calling, you know, and honestly, I'm I'm a pretty bad daughter, actually. I don't call as often as I should. <laughs> you know, <laughs> You're right. as well. so yeah, I, I do. I mean, we try and keep in touch. We have group chats and things like that, but it's it's hard because I never thought I'd be here this long. 
I married a Canadian last year. So I got my citizenship. I got everything. So now I'm kind of a lifer. My husband gets this whole thing of sometimes he wants to move to Ireland and live there. And then he realizes it's going to rain 250 days of the year. And he's just like, yeah, I'm okay. You know, so um, he loves it for vacation, but for actually me convincing him to move, it wouldn't happen. And honestly, Alan, I don't know if I could do it. The fantasy of actually living at home, I think is better than the reality. I don't know. I've been gone for nine years, nine years. Like it's, it's mad to me. I never thought I'd be here this long. And it's gone so quickly. Like you, I mean, how long are you living in the UK? Like it's probably just flown by. Yeah, I mean, I've been in Liverpool, based in Liverpool for five years. Yeah. But I left Australia on the 30th of March, 2010. Wow. I have been back, but I haven't really been back with my heart and soul. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I love the idea of going home and I'm so excited once I'm there the first week and everybody wants a piece of you. But then they go back to their reality and I'm just like, well, what am I going to do with myself now? Could I move back? I don't think so. Like I said, the fantasy is better than the reality for me. So you're quite happy and settled in, in BC? Yeah, I got a really bunch of good friends, you know, and we hang out all the time. I mean, and it's funny, I have a friend who lives in Vernon and I work about an hour away. And living in Ireland and working an hour away is just mind-blowing to people. Like, you, li- you work so far. And I'm like, it's just an hour. It's not a big deal. That's an, I know it's only a small thing, but for people from Ireland, they, they, to them, it's just, it's just crazy. We went to Ireland in June 2017, I think, and we did this big trip. We flew into Dublin and went up north to Belfast and drove all the way around the West Coast. And, you know, we could be two or three hours in the car. And I remember speaking to friends of mine who were like, oh, my God, I've never been there. It's six hours away. It's so far. I'm like, I will drive to Vancouver and back in a day and it's four and a half hours each way. You know, it's just like I used to be like that. Now I'm living here. I just don't even think about it anymore. The distance is just distance. It's just that's what you got to do if you want to travel in Canada. No doubt. Yeah, I'm from Australia. So the distance is similar to what people have experiences in Canada. But living in the UK, I mean, I've come across people who have never they're from London, for example, and they've never been to Manchester. And that's because it's more than two hours on a train. I know. They just can't be bothered. It's too far. And it's just not at all. It's funny. I know. It's all in your mind. It is. Yeah, for sure. So I, I had to laugh at that because, you know, there's so many beautiful places to see in Ireland. And being a tourist in my own home, at my own country at the time was, it was an eye-opening experience for me because I guess I had been to these places when I was a kid, but to see them again as an adult, I was like, wow, why haven't I done this before? Like, what stopped me from traveling to the Giant's Causeway, which is six hours from where I'm from? Why didn't I do it before? I had to show my boyfriend, Will, at the time, or my husband now, at the time, my country, because he showed me every part of his country. Well, not every part, but you know what I mean? He did his best to show me BC. And it's funny because he's a Toronto boy through and through, and he will never move back to the city. Never. Does he like the countryside and and the nature? Oh, nature, countryside. Yeah, he just just can't do it. He wants to buy a house and live in what they call the boonies here, which is like, you know. (laughs) middle of nowhere so that's just his thing right nice so i think he just i think he got enough of the city and he just fell in love with the place just like i did would you say that you've acquired any canadian cultural things into the person that is jackie uh, yes and no. I mean, you mentioned earlier about being in Toronto and, you know, it's a very Irish heavy city. I came out here and I felt like I was the only Irish in the village. <laughs> like I honestly didn't meet a lot of Irish people. I met, you know, uh, one guy and his sister and he had embraced Canada, Canada. He would embraced any Canadian like um, experiences wholly so he kind of wanted to not that he wanted to but I felt he was trying to forget his Irish roots for whatever reason I don't want to do that but as for Canadian habits I guess I've Canadianized the way I speak 
Well, I understand that. You have to when you've got an Irish accent. Right. So, yeah. And my Irish accent has never been really thick or anything, but I, I hear myself sometimes saying things and I'm like, whoa, how did you lose your accent? You know, going into a, you know, a restaurant and asking for a glass of water and they're like, excuse me. And I'm like, water. Water. And they're like, water. And I'm like, oh, sorry. You want water? Sure. Sure. I want water. Saying sure. Even things like that. I mean, those things were things I had never said. Um, as for Canadian things, I don't know, like in what context, like the, the types of clothes you wear or um, the types of leisure activities you have. Clothes I wear, funnily enough, and I, I'm a grown woman, but my mom used to send me clothes from <laughs> Ireland all the time. So I still wear a lot of those clothes. So I still have a very right. European taste, uh, I guess. But, and, you know, people have told me that before. As for things, yeah, like camping was never a bit of a thing for me at home. I mean, we couldn't because it rained. Don't get me wrong. I did go hiking. Like I said, I find no joy in it, you know, but there's things that I do here that I probably would never do at home. I mean, I was probably pretty lazy at home, really, considering we go camping, we go fishing. Yeah, we do a lot of things. I was skiing. I learned to ski. I learned to snowboard. Yeah, you're in the right place of the world for that. Right. Definitely would never have learned to do that back home wouldn't have been going to the Alps or going to Switzerland to learn to ski would not have been on my bucket list of things to do. I imagine you do that every season now because big white and yeah and white horse is it white horse kicking Kicking horse horse, yeah well we've got silver star and big white um (laughs) yeah I did it for every for a first couple of season I've given myself quite a few significant injuries gave myself a black eye one time that was that was fun but I've kind of stopped a little bit because I just I well I stopped for a year before we were getting married and I kind of never didn't I didn't really go back just because I don't know if I love it as much as Canadians love it you know I love the Apri ski part of it don't get me wrong but (laughs) who doesn't (laughs) yeah but the actual I tried skiing I'm not bad at skiing I tried snowboarding I'm not bad at snowboarding but I don't have passion for it the way Canadians have passion for it and I feel like if you want to do it all the time you have to absolutely love it I buy a pass every year I might have gone four times whereas people go religiously every day they have off yeah Another thing that I tried, snowshoeing. Don't get it. It's like wearing tennis. It's like wearing tennis rackets on your feet, right? It's like going, you know, so I tried it. It was fun, but I don't know if I'll be doing it on the regular. Have you ever been into sports back at Ireland or have you become more into sports being in Canada? I was more into sports back home. I was actually a runner back home and I would run like two or three times a week. And I've gotten super lazy here, actually, (laughs) because I feel like this is my excuse and I'm sticking to it. I can't run in the summer. It's too hot. And I can't run in the winter because there's too much snow. So that's what I'm saying. Put a bear in the mix. What happens then? <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I must be prone at injuring myself because I started softball because they have rec leagues here, which is a big thing. Like you have your recreational leagues where they play softball, volleyball, baseball, whatever. I played softball last year. My first time hitting the ball, my first time actually reaching a base. I was about to run from second base and the ball ricocheted off the ground and hit the back of my leg as I was running. And I tore tendon and muscle from the back of my knee right down to my Achilles. So I'm never playing that sport ever again. Mm. How long did it take you to recover from that? Probably eight weeks, mm. if not more. They thought I had to do surgery as badly bruised, badly swollen. Luckily, I didn't. Yeah. So I didn't do a lot for that summer, to be honest. What about the big sports on TV? Did you ever get into hockey? Mm, I've been to a couple of games. It was fun watching the games. I just wouldn't sit and watch them like on TV. Baseball, I've, I've seen a couple of Blue Jays games in Toronto. But yeah, like I haven't really met anybody who's crazy into hockey, actually. Like even no way, not in Kelowna. Honestly, like really? a lot of a lot of my friends aren't big into hockey. Even Will's not into hockey. He's into baseball. Oh. That's his thing. So I just I think it's just the people I've kind of veered towards that they just don't really see it as a, a thing. 
I know it's funny, right? We're having Canadian friends and they're not into hockey. And your friends in Kelowna, are they all from the West Coast or are they a mix from all over the country as well? Well, that's the thing about Kelowna. People from Kelowna aren't actually from Kelowna. Mm. It's like a little melting pot of people that are BC based for the most part and Ontario based. But my friends are from, yeah, the coast or uh, one's from Switzerland originally. I have other friends from like Tenerife, a friend from Brazil. I mean, who've settled here and are pretty much Canadian, but definitely they're they're not originally from here so for them to actually be Canadian through and through I think is a little bit of a funny thing. Sounds like the city of Cologne has become more cosmopolitan since I was there as well. It's funny I mean in the last two years I think I'm meeting a lot more Irish people and I'm getting quite sometimes a little bit offended I'm like I used to be the only one here but it's funny and you ask the question I'm like how did you end up in Kelowna like of all places because like you don't think about Canada and think about oh my god the place I want to go to is Kelowna. As an Irish person you think Think you automatically think Toronto and Vancouver, especially if you want to be there for a year or two years. If you're moving to settle, you go to Alberta. That's where the money is. But Kelowna, they're just, I don't know. It's it's like, oh, I knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. Or I met somebody who was Canadian and lived in Ireland and they talked about it. And a lot of obviously we get a lot of Australians because they live on the mountains, but you don't really see them downtown. You see them in, you know, the ski hills, right? And I get mistaken for Australia quite a lot. Just because I have an accent, they assume that it's Australian. <laughs> yeah. To you and me, the Irish and Australian accents are extremely far from one another. I found that in North America, actually, America, USA and Canada, the, the accent distinguishing is not so great. And I'll give you a good example of that. Um, when I worked in that cafe in Toronto, we had a really sweet girl that worked with us. And one of my good friends at the time was from Australia. She had come up to us and we were chatting and we were always just like chatting and whatever. And she said, you guys must understand each other so much better because you both have accents. <laughs> yeah. I'm like you have an accent. I just thought it was quite hilarious because he's Australian. I'm Irish. We must understand our English better with each other or just our accents better. I mean, mm. yes, our slang is almost similar. Like trying to explain a boot and a bonnet here is hilarious. Like, but the fact that we had accents, we were, it just, it blew my mind. I just thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever heard. I've had that experience too. I, I knew a girl from New York who said that she didn't have an accent and we did. And I was the same. Everyone's got an accent. You have an accent. No, I don't. Uh, yeah, everyone has an accent. <laughs> everyone has an accent. Yes. It was, she was really sweet. She really was. So, yeah. After all this COVID stuff settles down, are you planning to get back to see Ireland as soon as possible? I am. I mean, you know, we're talking about going back at Christmas. That's not going to happen. Obviously, I have to wait until the whole quarantine rules change because I don't want to go back and quarantine for 14 days. And don't get me wrong, Alan, I love my mother, but I don't think I can sit with her for 14 days, you know. (laughs) Sorry, mom. Jackie, yeah. if I gave you, let's say, two or three thousand Canadian dollars, mm-hmm. where would you go? Preferably if COVID didn't exist. I want to go to Thailand or Indonesia for sure. Like I've, there's, I've never traveled Asia. So definitely would be on my list. I hate to say it. And I know people will hate me for saying this, but I have no interest in going to India. None. But places like Thailand, Indonesia, Bali, all those places, 100%. I would go there in a heartbeat. And I want to go to the Scandinavian countries and Iceland. Like those places like that. I mean, I know Iceland's not Scandinavian, but I'm interested in nature as well. And like seeing things like that, like the geysers and those beautiful lagoons. So those would be my, 
I mean, I know it's not a specific place, but those would be my kind of two ideals. Oh, and New Orleans is on my list. New Orleans in Louisiana. Yeah. All oh, right. Well, that's a little bit closer to home, I suppose. Yeah, I have this weird thing about the South and I watch all these shows about the South and I have this kind of, I don't know what it is, but this is kind of weird passion or fascination with it. You know, I don't know if it's coming from watching stupid shows like True Blood and like all these dark kind of, you know, I don't know. It's kind of funny. I like the idea of going there. So what are the things that draw you to these places? You mean, like you said, I've never traveled Asia. And I think there's some places there that just look phenomenally beautiful. And, you know, like I said, Scandinavian countries, are, again, places I've never been. And I just want to see them for, you know, I see pictures and I see things like that. And I'm like, wow, that looks amazing. And I watched the new Zac Efron documentary. I don't know if you've seen it, Down to Earth. Oh, yes. I heard so, yeah, it. he travels all around looking for sustainable countries, people like environment, who you know, who support their environment and things like that. And he went to Iceland in the first episode. And I'm like, even the geography of the place blew my mind. I was like, it's crazy that it's volcanic and it's blue lagoons and hot water when it should be, you know, ice is right next to you. We have the hot springs here sometimes and even that's kind of cool for me. And it's a tiny little puddle that you sit in of warm water. It's so much bigger in Iceland. So that's kind of it. Yeah. Those are my places, you know, not the norm, I guess. This whole idea of staycation that's becoming a common thread these days in COVID days. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you're embracing? We are planning on doing a trip in September and the trip would be down to the Sunshine Coast so basically down to Whistler and then traveling to Seashelt and Gibson so for people who don't know there's these islands off the coast of BC so there's Vancouver Island, Seashelt and all that so there's the idea would be to camp in the back of our car and just kind of drive to all these places. Um, we've traveled to Vancouver Island numerous times. And so we want to kind of go back and see some friends that Will has down there. So that's kind of our trip. We're hoping we'll get it done in September, but however, we have to move in October 1st. So it might not be the best timing for us to travel. You mean move house? Yeah, move house. Yeah, we're just renting right now. You haven't taken your two weeks vacation yet from work? No. It's funny, our vacation time is June to June. So I haven't, I have vacation time that I need to take before the end of September. So that's our trip, basically. Yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to do it. We're trying to staycation. And like I said, travel again, he's going to show me places of BC that I haven't seen, like the Sunshine Coast. And yeah, we'll go from there, see how it is. How do you find having your own personal tour guide? Is that something you really enjoy? Yes, it is. Because like I said, there's so many things and places that I would never have gone had it not been for him. Honestly, like I can't speak as highly enough of his like adventurous soul because he's so excited by things that I would be excited about. You know, like again, when I said previously, oh, look at that big mountain. He's like, oh my God, it is a big mountain. Whereas other people be like, yeah, it's just a mountain. <laughs> you know, that kind of way. He's just, he's got this really, you know, he's got this really excitable attitude about like seeing things and doing things. And he doesn't like sitting around too much. And he's a little bit ADD. So he likes to kind of get out and about a lot, right? He's shown me places that, again, a lot of people even living in Kelowna that I know have never seen. So that's kind of one of the things that I absolutely love about him. It's just his, his ability to be excited about things that are quite normal to everybody else. Sounds like he's got that boyish sense of adventure. Definitely. 100% he does. You know, so it's, uh, yeah, and it's just when he works a lot, it's hard for him to sort of get back into that. I kind of feel like he's lost it a little bit over the last while. So I'm kind of, that's why I'm trying to push this little mini vacation of ours here so that we can get on the road again and we traveled really well together i mean i know other couples who'd kill each other before they even got to the airport <laughs> whereas we travel we travel really well i mean i get you know to the point where he's just continuously going and i'm at the point where i'm like i'm so tired it's been day five and i'm still walking what is going on here but he's just like let's go let's go let's go it's it's he's just enthusiastic and it makes me more enthusiastic which is awesome 
What's the favourite place you've been to in BC together? I would have to say the island. We went to the island a lot last year because he was working down there. So I went to visit quite a bit. This is Vancouver Island. Vancouver Island. Yeah, sorry, Vancouver Island. It's one of those places that is everybody knows about, but is kind of forgotten about. I mean, I've met so many people who on the island who've literally never left the island. And it's tiny. Mm. Like, it's tiny. They're like, why would I leave? Well, in a Canadian sense. Yeah, in a Canadian sense. Yes, for sure. <laughs> but they're like, why would I leave? Like, we've got everything we need here from beautiful beaches. Like, and I mean, beautiful beaches like Tofino and Eucalypt. Like, they're just Pacific Ocean actual surfers not just you know lake surfers and you know and then you've got forestry you've got beautiful city like victoria city and it's it's one of those places that really kind of steals your heart a little bit it really is and it's small enough that you could travel a lot to a lot of these places in a week or even a few days we've done a lot of the island multiple times you know seen the same places a few times and it's just i don't know i don't know what it is about it it's i i never understood will's fascination with it until i actually got there and i was just like holy crap i get it you were hooked i was hooked totally hooked the only thing is it's getting there you have to take a ferry you have to drive four hours from Kelowna, and then you have to take a ferry but for me that's all part of the adventure mm. i don't care about taking a ferry and getting there and sometimes you might see a whale who cares like it's a ferry <laughs> yeah that's wicked to people it's just a mode of transportation to me it's an opportunity to see things that i wouldn't see normally yeah. again and do you think some of will has rubbed off on you in in terms of looking through a lens that oh. is embracing the possibility of the unknown more than just oh it's just a ferry it's a means to to get somewhere for sure like i never described myself as a backpacker i went to australia in 2002 i had a backpack but alan it had wheels on it <laughs> like so it's not exactly <laughs> like the backpacking was it a backpack or was it a suitcase it was literally a backpack that had wheels i'm not lying it was like huge and it was like above my head and it actually sat like a backpack on my back but then it would have little wheels on it and did it have like a little uh awesome. handle you could pull out it did totally had a little handle so it's both my little backpack. It's, it's a backpack and a suitcase it's a hybrid best thing i ever had but i never backpacked ever in my life you know he's taught me to embrace the kind of the sleeping in a tent lifestyle and like not and being okay with not having a shower every single day and just kind of, you know, swimming in a lake and that's your bath. Like he's just, he's taught me all these things that I've been a little bit pernickety about. Now I've just kind of let go of those things. And he's got this big adventurous soul and it definitely has rubbed off of me. And it, it's made me, like I said, open my eyes to things that I would never have experienced before. I imagine growing up in Ireland, the idea of roughing it in the sense of camping and showering in a lagoon is not the typical thing for an Irish girl. Well, I mean, camping was not such a thing because of the weather, right? It was mostly because of the weather. But I mean, growing up, like as kids, I grew up in the countryside. So swimming in a river was not unknown to me. But it's funny, like our family, I think went to our first, we always went on staycations, like, and I have to give my family props for that. My parents always took us on like local staycations, right? I think we went on our first foreign family holiday when I was 16 and we went to Tenerife. After that, I was kind of hooked. Like we, you know, from a family who never really traveled abroad much, me and my two of my siblings have lived outside of Ireland for periods of time. Like my brother lived in Australia for 12 years. My sister lived in New Zealand and Australia, and I've lived here. I've also lived in Sydney. I've also lived in Boston for a while. So having that sort of bug kind of ingrained in us, but with that not intentionally was kind of a cool thing that my parents did for us. They were like, we're never going to stop you from leaving the country. We'll miss you, but whatever you want to do, just do it. You know, not a lot of Irish parents do that, I don't think. Your parents never traveled in the way that the kids did. No, my dad literally traveled to Canada for the first time last year. And the only reason he came is because I was getting married. <laughs> so yeah, but it's quite known that Irish people are fairly common types to immigrate to another place to spend the rest of their life. Would you say you would agree with that? 
Yeah, but there's a difference between immigration and traveling for pleasure. Mm. Not just to Spain for a week, but I mean actually leaving and trying to experience a completely different country for a length of time. We had none of our family, none of my brothers and sisters and I had intended to emigrate. It just happened. We were going to experience something different for a while. And it just so happened that we ended up staying in the countries and falling in love with those countries. I don't feel like our intention was to leave Ireland for a long period of time. Okay. So I think there's definitely a difference. I mean, there are a lot of people out there who travel for joy and for pleasure. And I think that's become more common commonplace in Ireland now than it was when I started in 2002 Mm. you know so they're not traveling because there's no work they're traveling because they want to whereas before it might have been there was no work there was no work there's no choice in the matter so when you came to Canada you didn't necessarily intend on staying absolutely not but that's just the way it turned out it's just the way it turned out yeah like I had my intention was to get my second year's visa and my work permit and stay in Toronto for two years and you know I was kind of whimsy about it I was like look I'll try and see if I can get citizenship or permanent residency at least and see what happens it never in my wildest dreams did I think that I would get a phone call and move to BC within two weeks never and move out here by myself to me, that was, I, I mean, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but toot toot. Like, I feel like that was one of the bravest things I've ever done. Right. Right. Like, just to move to a completely random place by myself. I've always traveled with other people. And I just got lucky. I just met the right people. And, you know, they helped me settle really quickly. And I have to say, I, I went to boarding school from the age of 12 till I was 15, 16 almost. And it actually helped me be away from home for long periods of time. So I think... Homesick and loneliness, homesickness and loneliness. I mean, obviously I get it, but I don't get it the way I've seen it, other people experience it, especially in, in Toronto or I've, you know, a few people here that I know. My, my friend who I traveled with in the first place didn't like it. Super homesick. Hashtag no regrets. Hashtag no regrets. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's true. Or regrets or whatever that stupid tattoo that people get. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any regrets. Like I said, the, like moving back to Ireland is a, is a fantasy of mine, but I don't know if the reality of that situation would be my happiness or my joy. Right. I think, you know, my joy is here now and my friends are here. And obviously if we move to a different area, that's totally fine as well. My thing is always that I'm close to an airport. I have to be close to an airport. I don't want to move two hours from an airport. That's in the, like I said, in the middle of nowhere. It's just not a thing for me. In the boonies. In the boonies, they call it. The boonies. Yeah, the boonies. <laughs> I, have, I have another word for it, but I can't say it on the podcast. So. <laughs> I think I know what you're, what you're thinking of. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's funny. The other thing I'll say, and being Irish here, people get so excited. And the fact that I'm a, you know redhead Irish person that can't handle the heat they're just like oh my god I'm like a novelty on St. Patrick's Day they want to take me out to show me off and they want me to dress up as a leprechaun and I'm like seriously people that's not gonna happen I'll wear purple before I wear green so yeah I just it's funny how how much of a novelty I, I was with my friends and you know potatoes is the thing that I get teased about all the time because apparently I make the best potatoes in the world go figure it's about how you make them not the way you say it's about it. how I make them you know, it's it's just me and loving my potatoes because everything apparently has to have potatoes, which is not true, by the way. I eat other things. Have you come across any other stereotypes by being Irish? You know, I might drink too much, which I don't. Um, mm. Definitely don't do that as much as I used to because I'm much older now. You know, my thing is I make the best beef and Guinness stew and beef and or shepherd's pie. <laughs> but the thing is, I make comfort foods. It's not because I'm Irish and that's the only thing I know how to make. It's just that's my style of cooking. And 
my biggest thing is the fact that I am a redhead, I am Irish, and they think that everybody in Ireland is short with red hair, which, as you know, is not true. It's not true. Yeah. Like, we're a huge minority. Although, when I did travel to Ireland with, uh, with Will, I was like, there's not that many redheads in Ireland, truly. It's like, there's mostly, you know, dark-haired blondes. And he's like, yeah, I'll, that, I'll believe that when I see it. And it got to the point where he just started counting all the redheads to the point that he had overcounted too much. And every time he saw a redhead, he would just go ding, 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 <laughs> ding, ding. So I was like, okay, you've proven your point. There might be more than I thought. I was in Limerick many years ago. Oh, yeah. I went couch surfing with this guy. He was a character. Uh, he used to make a lot of home video. That was his hobby. And he went out to Boston once with his camera. He was just in the streets in, you know, the areas I'm talking about, mm -hmm. where he would meet people who were American, but they would call themselves Irish. He would always say, I'm Irish. Yeah. You're American. I get that a lot. The people yeah. in Boston, in certain parts of Boston, are very proud of being Irish. And most of them have never even been to Ireland. Yeah. So that was the interesting thing for him. He kind of couldn't comprehend that. Have you, have you come across All that kind of stuff? All the time all the time because i now consider myself being being here in canada i would say first generation irish that's how i describe myself now because i meet people who are like i'm 1 16th i'm like how can you be 1 16th of something like it's just like your mom and your dad and your mom and your dad and your, you know what i mean it's and i guess they're going back so far that they're kind of spreading their countries into you know to a point but i get that so much oh i'm i'm my great 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 grandfather's from ireland i'm like oh yeah where i don't know or my grandfather's, even, even my grandfather. And I'm like, even to me, I know where my grandfather is from, you know, and I know he's from Ireland, but I know specifically the county he's from. And that's fair because I was born and raised in Ireland. I know the counties or the, you know, but I get that quite often. Like I have Irish in me or whatever. And when they say I have Irish in me, I kind of giggle in my head because I feel like that's quite rude. But anyway, that's another story for another day. <laughs> That's your Irish sense yeah, of humor yeah. as well, isn't it? So, but you have to remember, like Canada as a country, they say is only 150 years old. And I say that as politically correct as I can, because obviously prior to people emigrating into Canada, we had our First Nations. Mm. Uh, we had First Nations. So as a country, they say it's 150 years old. But that means that people started emigrating into Canada. So it's a very fresh, very new country full of immigrants and only full of immigrants and obviously our First Nations people. But it's a melting pot all over. And so for them to say, yes, I have Irish in me 150 years isn't that far it's not long ago in me there you go see it made you giggle <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Um, for them to say, <laughs> for them to say, like, I have, you know, I am part Irish or whatever, then it's not an unrealistic thing. And they can probably trace it back more than, let's say, for me or you tracing back your history. Because I feel like my history is Irish and I've been Irish for thousands of years. But who knows? Maybe I'm Scandinavian some way or maybe I'm Viking or maybe, you know, for them to be able to trace it back, it makes sense to me. It's easier to do that. Mm. Canada all around is a huge melting pot. Yeah. Do you think people you meet in Canada saying, I'm part Irish, let's say, let's not say I have Irish in me, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm part Irish, yeah. in some fractional level, are they trying to connect with you personally as they know that you're Irish? Or are they trying to perhaps have, have an identity of their own that is Canadian but also slightly Irish? I think more for them, it's a connection. I think, like I said, I, as an Irish person and living in Kelowna, where there's, you know, 
I'm a huge minority because there's very few Irish people here. And like I said, it's increased a little bit over the last few years, but I'm a novelty. So for them to meet me, they kind of want to have that connection. They want to have something in common with me. And I'm not saying I'm super popular that everybody wants to be my friend, but it's just that connection of actually, you know, yeah, I've definitely, I can relate because I'm part Irish and I don't know what it is. People love Irish people. Like we have a reputation obviously for drinking and fighting or whatever, which is completely untrue. But we also have a reputation of being quite open and friendly and we we like humans we like people and we want to welcome everybody with open arms into our country and we hope that they would do that into theirs yeah I don't know what it is people just kind of want to be my friend so I think it's a connection I don't think it's that they want a sense of identity because I believe every Canadian believes that they're Canadian through and through it's just where their history is from is different you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So they're connecting with you personally. I think so. Anybody I've met here, like they're completely patriotic to their country, which obviously I am as well, but they are born and raised Canadian. And there's a lot of people who are from like Europe and stuff, but to them, they're Canadian. They're just Canadians. That's it. They've embraced it. For sure. I mean, they've come from someplace, but this is it. They're Canadian. Even second generation Canadians who may not have been born here and moved when they were quite young, they don't consider themselves Ukrainian or French. They are Canadian. I always say I'm Irish, but realistically speaking, I've been here a long time, so I would probably be like, I'm Irish-Canadian right now. First-generation Irish, though. I always say first-generation Irish. And how do you define that? Born and raised in Ireland, and then moved to another country. That's my definition of first-generation. Citizen in... I'm a citizen in Canada. That's how you would also define it as well. Yeah, I would say I'm a Canadian citizen. I would never tell somebody I'm Canadian. Sorry, Canada. (laughs) It's a patriotic thing, I think. It's like, you know, I mean, you've been in the UK for a long time and I don't know your, your status there, but I think you'd still say you're Australian, even if you got a UK passport. I have a Canadian passport. It doesn't make me, in my mind, Canadian. I've embraced the country and I've embraced all their cultures and I love living here, but I'm still always going to be Irish through and through, right to my core. I have dual nationality, so I've got two passports as well. Mm-hmm. But I think it depends on the context and also what form I'm filling in as to whether I'm Australian or British. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Like, (laughs) that's true. But I mean, I can't hide my accent. I mean, it's definitely gotten lighter over the years. And I know people have a hard time hearing it straight off the bat. Because I think, I, like I said, I've Canadianized my language so much that I feel like it takes people, you know, five to 10 minutes to kind of go, oh, hold on, you sound different. You're not, you, you have a Canadian accent. I get mistaken for Newfie, Newfoundlander all the time. Yes. They're the East Coast and they're mostly their heritage is Irish. So I get mistaken for that quite often. But a couple of drinks in, it's suddenly like, you know, top of the morning to you kind of thing, you know. So <laughs> they hear it then. They're like, oh, I get it now. And I'm like, okay. I find my accent comes back really strong when I speak to family at home and especially if I'm living in our if I'm in Ireland on vacation like you can't even hear any Canadianisms they're gone forget about it yeah. to the point that like Will's kind of like what did you just say I'm like you don't understand my slang after nine years or eight years together you just you gotta get this man <laughs> he knows boot and bonnet now you know so I hope so <laughs> oh he does I hear I sometimes I hear him say things and I'm like what did you just say because he's totally I've got this expression and it's not very nice, but it's basically when you see a lady and she's a quite an older lady, but she dresses quite young. And Mm. the expression is she's dressed mutton. She's mutton dressed as lamb. And he thinks that's the funniest thing he's ever heard in his whole life. And he uses it all the time. And I'm like, okay, you need to stop. You need to stop using that because it's not very nice. It's not very polite, but even some of my friends actually use some of my slang. And I'm like, I've been hanging around with you guys way too much. It's funny. We have that expression in Australia as well, which is probably because Australia as a newer country in terms of when it became separate from just 
colonization. There's a lot of Irish heritage in Australia. So I've always known mutton dressed as lamb, but I suppose in North America, they might just use the word cougar. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, me, it's not for me. It's, it's not describing the person as a cougar. It's just somebody who's dressed, not age appropriately. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, and I said that to Elle. I said, if it happened, please just do not let me be mutton dressed as lamb to that point. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like there's, yeah, there's so many things that I, and I just, I feel like the longer I'm here, the more I forget my slang. Like he reminds me of things that I used to say. Now I say hood and I say trunk and I say garage. Washroom. Washroom and garbage. I'm like it's rubbish, garage and toilet. But I forget these things now that I've been here so long. You have to be understood, don't you? And, and yeah. I remember when you and I were working at BMO, I don't know if you spent as much time on the telephone as I did, but I, I spent a lot of time on the telephone and you, with your job, your current job, you spent a lot of time on the telephone and I found with my accent, I had to Canadian eyes, yeah. especially with numbers. Did you find that thing as well? Oh my God. Turkey tree in a turd. <laughs> I take every effort to, you know, put my tongue in between my two front teeth. So I pronounce my, my 30 yeah. so clearly. That was a big thing. I have a, you know, a couple of friends of mine that, well, one specific friend, first thing he says to me every time he meets me is turkey tree in a turd. Because <laughs> apparently Irish people say tree for three, right? I've met many, many Irish people also in BMO I worked with who would say tree. Yeah. And also when I worked in the States, I met a guy from Ireland who would say turkey tree. Turkey tree. Yeah. Maybe not all Irish speak like that but it's fairly common right fairly common so I just I laugh at him now because he's right and just even just a silly thing I got a new phone many years ago and uh the guy was Will's you know the way they do instead of doing letter instead of doing numbers for phone numbers a lot of places here in North America would do like 1-800-BOSS yes right so Will was just with me at the time he's like you got to do 1-800 like weed because you know it's a big thing here right smoke weed <laughs> or 1-800-NEED or whatever it was so it ended up being 250-300-NEED if you spell need if you on the phonetic on your phone it's actually 250-300-6333 so he specifically went out of his way to make sure that I had three threes on the end of my telephone number yeah so I'm like thanks buddy <laughs> three 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 yeah oh that's brilliant fast five Five quick fire questions require five quick fire answers. My guests must answer five random questions about traveling without thinking too much. Are you ready for the fast fire? Sure. Question one, northern or southern? Northern. Question two, single or double? Double. I'm thinking alcohol instantly, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Irish, is it? Right. (laughs) Number three, hot or cold? Oh, that's a tough one. Kind of like them both. Let's go hot. Okay. Number four, pub or club? Pub. Too old for clubs. (laughs) Question five, public or private? Private. There you go. Private. Smash the fast five. Too easy, Jackie. Right. Too easy. Fast five. 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 I don't ever want to lose my accent, but I feel like I am losing it a little bit. It's evolving. Yeah. I met a guy from the UK. He's been here a long time and he's very English, like very Cockney English. And I, you know, instantly hear it. Whereas, like I said to you earlier, people don't hear my accent immediately. And sometimes that kind of breaks my heart a little bit. I want them to know I'm Irish without having to explain I'm Irish. If you want to get your Irishness back, I think you have to start hanging out with Irish people in Kelowna and no Canadians. Yeah, well, it's weird. Like I said, when I first moved here, there weren't any Irish people. Yeah, well, that's why your accents evolved so quickly. Honestly, I think you asked me a question you said something earlier about how you know Toronto has so many Irish people I don't move to 
a country to hang out with Irish people. Nothing against yeah, I that, but there are people out there who specifically go to another country and all they do is hang out with Irish people. And, you know, they live in that country and kind of like, yeah, I don't really like the Australians. I'm like, well, why are you living in Australia? Like, you know what I mean? Like you're living in Australia, surrounding yourself by Irish people and you don't like Australians. That's, a, that's just an example. I'm not saying you specifically. You know what I mean? But it's just, to me, it just doesn't make any sense. If you're moving to another country, you have to embrace the culture. You have to embrace the people and you can't just surround yourself with people from your own country. That's just my attitude. And not to say that I wouldn't have Irish friends if I had Irish friends here, but I've had Canadian friends for, I'm here since November 18th, 2011. And I've pretty much had Canadian friends throughout the whole period. Since day one. More Canadian friends than I've had than Irish, for sure. You're the same as me, Jackie. I, I do the same. When I go somewhere new, Ideally, I'm not going to hang out with the same people of where I'm from because I may as well just stay at home. That's my attitude. Like I, I'm going to another country to experience other things. And don't get me wrong. Obviously, when I see an Irish person or meet an Irish person, I'm so excited. And it's just, it, you know, you can have the connection with them that, you know, some people here in Canada wouldn't understand. And instantly you're talking, you're talking Irish, not Irish, the language, like the Irish Gaelic language, but you're just talking that kind of Irishness, right? You know, and you miss it and you start to, like, because I speak, obviously, I speak quite quickly, but as an Irish person meeting another Irish person, the excitement takes over and it's like, it's a hundred miles an hour, right? So there's that joy in meeting somebody from Ireland. But at the same time, I don't set my goals to meet Irish people in the people, in the places that I'm living. It's just not my thing. It's not your priority. It's not my priority. I'm just experiencing the place that I live. I'll meet all cultures and all nationalities and I'm okay with that. What you've just touched on kind of relates to the final question I, I ask all my guests, travel advice. Something that you've discovered from your own travels or something you've learned from a person you've met on your travels. If somebody's thinking of going traveling, let's say post-COVID, what would you want to share with them? Travel doesn't necessarily have to be about getting on an airplane and going to another country. You can have an adventure in your backyard, right? Like that's just an example for, you know, like I said, we've traveled all over BC and everything is different. So an adventure is how you make it and the traveling is how you make it. So, you know, don't feel like you have to, like I said, travel on an airport, on an airplane and go to a different country and think that's the be all and end all. It can be whatever you want it to be. Obviously going to a different country and experience that is great. But I mean, what happens is as you get older, your adventures become few and far between your traveling becomes few and far between especially traveling to another country because you you get settled right for me and we've touched this earlier living in Kelowna living in BC it's hard to get out as a area our adventures are based on where we live and experience it embrace it embrace where you live and love where you live and you know stay as local as much as you want but also just don't close yourself off to traveling to other places as well just embrace everything be excited by everything like everything can be new to you if you make it new everything the boyish eyes of adventure the boyish eyes yeah and it's just that i have them now like you know like i said i'm not that wasn't the best backpacker i had a uh, had wheels and i literally moved to sydney and i stayed in sydney for a year didn't travel i didn't have anybody to push me to do that mm -hmm. you know and so i went back eventually actually about eight years after that and i did the whole traveling thing did it by myself you know i feel like it, it's nice to have someone to push you to do things it really is but you have to learn to do it yourself yeah. I will say this out loud. I've become super dependent on him to show me adventures. I've kind of forgotten how to do it on my own. So always try and remember that. Always try and remember that you can do things by yourself too. You don't necessarily have to have somebody, but it's always nice to have somebody. So I'm completely contradicting myself there a little <laughs> bit. Don't forget that you can do it by yourself, but it's always nice to have a companion. Yeah. Does that make sense? 
Well, it depends where you're at in your life, doesn't it? For sure. You can do it on your own, but if you want to do it with somebody, there's nothing wrong with it. No. And I mean, I mean, I don't know about you, but I know you, you said you've been based in Liverpool for five years and I know you were always a person that traveled a lot, but as work takes over and life takes over and things happen and change, those trips become less and less, I think. It can make you sad. If you have that traveling bug, it can make you a little bit sad because you don't go as many places as you used to. If you can't make those big trips, then just embrace the little ones locally. That's all I can say, I guess. Making something an adventure. Exactly. Thanks for listening to The Nostalgic Vagabond. My guest has been Jackie Dowling. There are more episodes in this podcast series where you can hear different stories from other travellers. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow me at The Nostalgic V. Thanks to Tom Forfer for creating the soundtrack to the series. Don't forget, your journey is special. Own it. I've been Alan Hill. Until next time.